0: Place that he was in was a place that was dark, it was damp, most certainly depressing, and I can see him there. He's bearded, he's bruised, he's been beaten, and he didn't ask to be there. Worse, in my estimation, he didn't deserve to be there, yet he's there in a place that he didn't wanna be, in a place that he didn't ask to be there, but he's there. He's in Rome. He's a casualty of the political turmoil of his day. The winds of political change were blowing and the wind was not blowing in a good direction. He's been arrested. He's been placed in a dungeon. I can see him there as he's chained to a Roman soldier in a room barely big enough to stretch out in. I sense that he's uncomfortable. He's cold, in pain and hungry. He's isolated, he's cut off, he's forced into the worst kind of social distancing. He can't gather with the church in his city. He's been placed there by an emperor who murdered his way to the Imperial throne, a calculated and cold hearted man, a a man known for brutality and gross irresponsibility. The ruler's name is Nero, quite possibly a madman. He was a brutal man, a dangerous man, a deadly man, a man with no regard for life. The bearded man that he has locked up, chained to a Roman soldier in that dark, damp dungeon is a man that I think any of us All of us who follow Jesus would call a hero, a man who single-handedly virtually changed the course of things and advanced good and held back evil and made a difference. His name was Paul. Many of us, we've known him most of our lives as the Apostle Paul. And that's who I wanna talk to you about. That's who I want you to think about for the next few moments. If you're not familiar with the Apostle Paul, in his own words, now, if you really wanna know someone and if someone really knows anyone, the person they know the best, it's themselves. In his own words, here's how Paul describes himself. Once upon a time, he was self-righteous, he, he was a Pharisee. Uh, he had no problem looking down his nose at other people. Uh, some of us, uh, we can relate to that. He was good at being good. Now, some of us, we can't relate to that because We're not good at being good. Matter of fact, we're good at being bad, but he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He had a world-class pedigree. He had a world-class resume. He was a man who hated Christians. He was a man who hated Christ. That is until he met Jesus, the one who had been crucified unto death. And then when he met him on the road to Damascus, he realized that Jesus was the one who had been resurrected unto death. Life. That event would change the apostle Paul's life for the rest of his life. Matter of fact, after you read about his encounter with Jesus in the book of Acts, for the next 30 years, you're gonna find that the apostle Paul Saul that we now call Paul, for the next 30 years, he's gonna spend his life expanding the kingdom of God. For the next 30 years, he's gonna travel city after city after city, all along the Mediterranean rim of the Roman empire. He's gonna go in on the Sabbath day to synagogues all around the empire and he's gonna teach to Jewish men and women as an Old Testament scholar. He's gonna open up the scriptures and he's gonna make a case that Jesus was indeed the Messiah that was predicted to come, that the Messiah had indeed arrived and his name was Jesus, that he'd been crucified for sin, that he had been buried and he had been raised from the dead. Uh, The Apostle Paul, after he plants these churches, on occasion, he would write back to them and he would write letters. And matter of fact, that's how we've gotten over half the content, half the letters of the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. His letters would shape the theology of the church then and in all the centuries after he wrote those letters. He would write the letter to the church at Rome, we call it. The book of Romans, he would write the letter to the uh, church in Thessalonica, and we call it 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and he wrote Galatians, and Ephesians, and Philippians, and Colossians, and Philemon. Uh, He wrote a letter to his protege uh, named Timothy. Matter of fact, he would write two letters to Timothy. Uh, He would write the first one as a free man, but the second one that we're going to take a look at today, the second one that he would write to Timothy, his mentee the one who had spent so much time at the side of Paul in good times and bad and and, and, in cities where there was a great reception to the gospel and also in cities where there was not so great a reception to the gospel. He's gonna write a second letter to Timothy. And when he writes this second letter to Timothy, it's from the dark place. It's from the place that was discouraging and quite easily could have been a depressive place. It was the place that I told you about that he didn't ask to be. Uh, Perhaps he didn't even deserve to be. He writes 2 Timothy, and in my opinion, I'm not a scholar, but as I read the New Testament, I think it's quite possibly his best stuff. I think it's his best content. And he writes to Timothy and he says, you need to get ready, you need to prepare. Because Timothy, for you, things aren't gonna get easier, but matter of fact, things are gonna get harder. Uh, The days are gonna grow increasingly more difficult. And then Paul begins to describe what he refers to as the last days. And Paul was under the impression that the last days began with the resurrection of Jesus. And he said, Timothy, in the last days, he said, let me tell you a little bit about it. Nothing is gonna be sacred. Matter of fact, cruelty is gonna be the way of the land. Uh, people are going to hate what is good. They're going to love pleasure more than they love God. Uh, they're going to reject the truth. They're no, they're no longer going to listen to sound doctrine or sound teaching. Uh, not much less believe it. They're not even going to listen to it. Matter of fact, they're going to pursue teaching and teachers who will tell them what they want to hear in order that it will let them live how they want to live, And so he tells Timothy, he says, this is what you need to get ready for. It's not gonna get easier. Matter of fact, listen, it's gonna get harder. Now he wrote that to Timothy, but I think that he could be saying that to me and to you and to all followers of Jesus today. Here in 2020, smack dab and all of this that we didn't ask for. And maybe you you feel like you don't even deserve But right here in the middle of our dark place, in the middle of this discouraging place that all of us in some way, to some degree, we find ourselves in, maybe he's writing to us to say the same thing to us, to say, listen, let me give you a sobering thought. It's not gonna get much easier. Matter of fact, as the days go on, it's gonna get harder. Jesus taught the same thing in Matthew 24. He he says that, the, the hearts of people are just gonna wax cold. People are gonna become hateful and unloving. And, and, and we're reminded that that has come to pass every single evening on the newscast. But he tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, you need to get ready. You need to brace yourself because it's gonna get harder, not easier. And so listen to what he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse five. He says, with that in mind, that it's gonna get harder, not easier. You should keep a clear mind in every situation. Keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. It can be easy to become afraid, but don't become afraid of suffering for the Lord. What should you do then, Timothy? Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. In other words, Timothy, don't forget about your purpose. Don't don't forget about what the main thing is when it comes to following Jesus. The main thing in following Jesus is seeing people who don't follow Jesus follow Jesus. So don't be afraid of life getting harder. Don't be afraid if life gets tougher. Don't be afraid if it gets darker and more challenging. Don't be afraid if the news just seems to get darker and darker and more negative and more negative. He says, you stay busy with purpose. You stay on mission. Yeah, listen to it, be involved as much as you can, but don't forfeit your purpose in the midst of some difficult days. Don't be afraid, Timothy, of days when the government may not be in your corner. Don't be afraid of that. That's not what's most important. You be focused on the mission and you do what God has called you to do. And then Paul switches from talking to Timothy to talking about himself and listen to what he says in verse six, he says, as for me, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God because Paul knew full well what was about to happen. He knew what the circumstances were. He says, the time of my death is near or maybe a translation that many of us grew up in. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. And so Paul knew that death was around the corner. He knew that he was not gonna be released from prison this time. He knew that one day, the guard of Rome would knock at his door and lead him outside the city and death would await him to the place that they would lead him to. But while he has breath and while he has his mind and while he has an opportunity, he does what a lot of people do in the face of death. He looks back. He thinks back over the past 30 years. He thinks about over his life and his ministry. And as he thinks about it, he says, you know, I realize that my life has been poured out. And he thinks back to Numbers chapter 15, when God told the nation of Israel, when you bring a burnt offering and you bring a burnt burnt sacrifice, also bring some wine and just pour it all out. Paul says, here's what I realize. I've left it all on the field. I've held nothing back. Can you imagine being in the place that he was in, knowing that death would knock on his door very soon. And he says, I gave it my all. And I can face death. Timothy, I can face it with no regrets. I am like a drink offering that has been poured out and shaken. I'm empty. I've given all that I have to give. And he looks back over 30 years and he thinks about the churches that he started and he thinks about the lives that he impacted and he, he thought about the disagreements and he thought about the riots and he thought about you know, the positive and the negative and he, he, he just looked at it all. And this is what he says to Timothy. He says, as I think about it, He says, here's what I've got to say about it. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. I have fought the good fight, Timothy. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. In other words, it's been a fight, Timothy. It's been a good fight. And let me tell you, it's not been easy. Timothy, if anybody's ever told you that it was gonna be easy, Don't listen to them, Timothy. I'm telling you, I'm your teacher. I'm your your mentor. I, I love you like a son. Timothy, it's not gonna be easy. This thing that we're called to, this living within our purpose and this following Jesus, this holding on to faith, it is a fight. And as Paul looked over his life, he said, you know what? I can see moments when I got knocked down, but I'm gonna tell you, I stood back up. I'm gonna tell you, I can think about the moments that I got the wind knocked out of me, but I took a moment, I recollected myself and after I got back up and after I started to breathe again, I was locked and loaded. I was ready to start the fight again. He says, I stepped, I stepped into the round, into the ring every round of the fight. I didn't forfeit. It wasn't a TKO. I didn't check myself out. He says, no, I fought a good fight of faith because it's not been easy. And listen, you know, it's not been easy. Faith is a fight. It's a fight to keep faith first. It's a fight to seek first the kingdom of God. It's a fight to love God more than anything else in our lives. It's a fight to keep faith fresh, isn't it? I mean, we know this over the last 19 weeks. At the beginning of all of this, we all sense like, well, maybe God's gonna do something in this and maybe, maybe this is gonna be something really incredible in our family. We're really enjoying this. And our friends, we're really enjoying this. And then so often the case, what do we do? We get bored with it. The shine goes away. We become numb to it, it becomes familiar. It's just another thing, we're like the nation of Israel. At the foot of Mount Sinai and God shows up and there's thunderings and lightnings and everybody down at the foot of the mountain, they're like, oh my gosh, God is so incredible, God is so awesome. A few days go by, a few weeks go by. They get bored. They needed something new and shiny, so what did they do? They built a golden calf. And you know what, sooner or later they would have got bored with the golden calf as well. It is a fight to keep faith fresh. In this season, it's a fight to keep it fresh. In every season, it's a fight to keep faith fresh. You have to work at it, Timothy. You have to work at it, Trevor. You have to work to keep it fresh in your own life, in your family's life. It's a fight. It's a fight to keep faith firm. It's a fight to keep faith focused. He says, "I fought a good fight. I have finished my race." He says, "Timothy, I'm not telling you I did it perfect, but I finished it. I finished my race. I didn't quit. I didn't. I didn't get tangled up. I didn't get weighted down. I finished my race." Uh, I love to take the boys running. So Shepherd and Grayson. Shepherd's going to be ten very soon. Grayson seven. So. Uh, Almost two or three nights every single week, I, I make sure I take them on a run or a run slash jog or a run slash jog slash walk or a run slash jog slash walk slash let's sit around for a minute and rest. Uh, and depending on how hot it is and depending on you know, how tired we are, uh, we may go three miles, we may go four miles and they've gone as far as four and a half miles and, and they really do, they give it all they've got, but sometimes they just run out of gas and sometimes, let me just be honest, their dad runs out of gas But here's what we always do. On our way home, uh, there's, there's a 35 mile per hour sign just down from our house. And that's the last leg of our run. That's the last leg before we get to our driveway. And it's our rule. We call it the Barton boys rule. It's our rule that when we get to that sign, it's all out. It's all out and all in until we get to the finish line. It doesn't matter how tired we are. It doesn't matter how far we've gone. It doesn't matter how hot it's been. We're not gonna give up until we get to the drive and we're gonna give it all we've got. We are going to finish well. Doesn't matter how bad we've been on the run, doesn't matter how lazy we've been, we're gonna finish well. And that's what Paul's saying, he says, listen, I've not done this perfectly. Paul would be the first to tell you, I'm not perfect. He said, but I kept moving, I kept moving forward. I didn't let up, I didn't give in. I kept on running and I gave it my all. I didn't abandon my faith, I didn't abandon purpose, I didn't abandon my calling. When I fell down, Timothy, you know what? It hurt like heck, but I got back up. And when I was tired and I wanted to check out and I wanted to sit down, I wouldn't let myself. I finished my course and I have remained faithful. I fell down but I got back up. And then he goes on and he says this, and now the prize awaits me. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And listen to this, this is for us. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. This is Paul's way of saying, (laughs) I'm glad I gave it everything that I had. I'm glad that I didn't take anything with me off the field, that I left it all out there on the field. I'm glad that I finished my race. I'm glad I fought the good fight. I'm glad I did it this way. I'm thankful because you know what? I've lived my life looking at the finish line. I've lived my life thinking about the world to come. I've lived my life thinking about what it might be like to step out of this life and into eternity and hear the words of the one that I met on the road to Damascus and hear him say, well done good and faithful servant. Now come on in and enjoy the party. I imagine that Paul, as he lived his life, thinking about the world to come and thinking about the life that comes after death, he would think about that great cloud of witnesses that we read about in Hebrews chapter 12. And I imagine that in his imagination that he would imagine stepping into the next life and all the folks that's been watching him and cheering him on from heaven, they're there. And they're high-fiving him and they're patting him on the back and they're like, Paul, way to go, man. We thought you were out of the game that one time, but you got back up. We thought you were finished, but you got back up. You stayed in there, you finished your course, you kept on fighting. Great job. He says, that's what I'm thinking about. It's the prize. Say, what's the prize? The prize is Jesus. The prize is life eternal. He says, and it's just not for me, but it's for everybody who lives with the finish line in mind. He says, so live your life, Timothy thinking about the end of your life. And so Paul, he sifts through 30 years of letters and ministries and sermons and he imagines what it's gonna be like and he thinks about all the pressures and all the difficulties and all the sufferings of his ministry and the fact that it was rewarding, yet it was stressful. It, I'm sure he would say it was fun, but it was challenging and there was a lot of pain and discomfort and disappointments and some betrayal. Listen to how Paul describes his ministry, at least, the difficult parts of his ministry. Listen to what he writes in another letter, second Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I've been whipped times without number. Think about these words. I've been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my fellow Jews, danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored, I've toiled, I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger, I've known thirst, and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and I've been naked. And then he says, beyond all of that, I have a daily burden of my concern for all of these churches, he says, For those of you who are weak in the church, you can't be weak without me feeling that weakness. For those who are led astray, he says, I burn in anger. He says, I feel this, this is emotional, this is physical, this is my life. He says, it's not been easy. He says, Timothy, you know my story and you know that I haven't quit. Paul didn't take his ball and go home. He didn't say I'm out when it didn't go his way. He didn't fall to pieces when life got hard. Now he didn't do that, he stayed in the game. He fought the fight, he ran the race. And many times he did so while he was wounded and hurt and tired. And so I wanna ask myself a question, what's my problem? And while I'm asking myself a question, let me ask you a question, what's your problem? You think you have problems? You think it's bad now? Paul says, listen, I fought a good fight, I ran the race, I finished it and I remained faithful. So is 2020 gonna knock us off our feet? Is 2020 gonna be the TKO of our life? Is 2020 gonna be the thing that made you walk away? Is it gonna be the thing that caused you to forfeit your witness, your influence? Is it gonna be the thing that cost you your marriage? Is it gonna be the thing that cost you your relationship with your kids or with a friend or with the church? 2020? Paul would say, 2020? Let me tell you about 66 A.D., Let me tell you about the 30 years before that. Let me tell you about a nice little pumpkin called Nero. Let me tell you about some of my friends that turned their back on me and it resulted in imprisonment. And sooner or later, death. So here's my question. How can we do the same? How can we stand strong and finish well when things are tough and things are hard? Here's the advice I think that Paul would give to us. Number one, and I'd encourage you to write these down, put them in your phone, wherever you, know, you keep important notes. Here's what I think Paul would advise us to do. Constantly address your attitude. Constantly work on your attitude. Because if you don't constantly work on your attitude, your attitude is gonna get the best of you. And when your attitude gets the best of you, it usually turns out to be bad for you. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy earlier on in the letter. And this, this gives us a snapshot into the Apostle Paul's attitude. Listen to what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He says, and God chose me to be a preacher. Hey, that's pretty good. He chose me to be an apostle. That's even better. And a teacher of this good news. And then he says this, this is why I am suffering here in prison. Now, this is amazing. Don't, don't, don't fly past this. He says, God chose me for this. And because God chose me for this, I'm in the place that I'm in. Because God chose me, because God set me apart, because God said, this is your purpose, this is your calling, this is what I have for you. This is why I am where I am, Timothy. I'm here because God chose me. He says, that's why I'm suffering here in prison, but he says in the same breath, but I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not resentful about that. I know the one in whom I trust and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him against that day. Paul says, Timothy, I have trusted Jesus with my eternity. I can certainly trust him with everything that happens in time. I know that I can trust him. I don't have to be afraid of suffering. I don't have to be afraid of what's going on in this moment. He goes on in the following chapter, in chapter two, verse nine, he says, and because I preach this good news, I am suffering and I have been chained like a criminal, but <laughs> this is great. He says, but the word of God cannot be chained. Is that not a great attitude? He says, you can lock me up, but you can't lock God up. You can shut me down, but you can't shut the gospel down. You can put me in prison, but you can't put God in any box. Uh, something that uh, I wanted to share. Uh, many of you may not know, but we have a newsletter uh, that one of our uh, faith family members, Diana Links, that she sends out uh, quite regularly. And she sends this, newsletters, uh, this newsletter to prisoners all over uh, the country, to people who find themselves in a dark place, just like the apostle Paul, who share at least one thing in common with the apostle Paul, they're in prison. And so she sends this newsletter out. And this week, uh, our church and Diana Links got this letter. It says, I have been receiving your newsletter for a year now. I was a mess when I started receiving it, having just received a life sentence. But listen to this, but now I'm strong. I love that. Now I share your newsletter with the non-believers who come to this prison with life sentences themselves. He says, I took a life to come to prison. Now I'm encouraging life to others in prison through Christ. Thank you for the work you do for God We have a ball with the what's in this section. They always bring smiles and laugh. And then he adds a postscript. He says, Julian is a 25 year old kid who came to prison just recently. He is now saved and wishes to receive the newsletter as well. When I read that, I thought about exactly what Paul was saying. You can lock me up, you can shut the church down, you can social distance, you can do all of that, but you can't stop the church. The church will rise up, the church will go on. That's what Paul understood. He knew that you couldn't hold God down. And in verse 10, he says, so I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those whom he has chosen. I'm willing to endure anything. I had to give myself a a, a real gut check this week to say, is that true of me? Am I willing to suffer anything if it means someone else will come to faith in Christ? Or am I just going to bellyache? Am I going to whine and complain about my little deal and the things that I don't like and the people that are on my nerves? Or am I really at a place where Paul was, where he says, I'm willing to deal with anything if it means someone else comes to faith in Jesus. And so I think Paul would say, constantly address your attitude. Second thing I think he would advise us of is, beware of getting sucked into foolish arguments and losing influence. Uh, Listen to what he tells Timothy, and I'll give this one to you quickly, but I, I think this is certainly too relevant to pass up. He says in chapter two, verses 23 through 24, he says, again, I say don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Well, there goes Twitter. And there goes most of Facebook and there goes, you know, Christmas dinner with the family members that are coming in from up north or out west or down south. Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord, a follower of Jesus must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone. Really? Everyone? Yeah, everyone. Be able to teach, be able to communicate what you think, have convictions and have good reason for them. Be able to explain them, but be patient with difficult people. Be patient with difficult people because keep in mind, there's somebody who sees you as a difficult people. So we all should be patient with one another. He says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth, gently. Don't be insulting, don't be harsh. Why Paul? Because perhaps God will change these people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. We all need to hear this. I've been so frustrated, not only with myself, I get frustrated with me, but I've been so frustrated at the amount of Christians I see jumping into the crazy end of the pool. It's like we know better, but we can't help ourselves. We know better, we shouldn't jump in, we shouldn't comment, we shouldn't say that, we shouldn't repost that, but we can't help ourselves. I see so many Christians just jumping into the madness that we live in today. Let's all keep in mind Jesus was the one who said, don't cast pearl before swine. Said, pastor, did you just call some people swine? No, I didn't, Jesus did. His point is don't put what's valuable out there in front of people who don't care about it. Don't try to change a mind you can't change. Matter of fact, Solomon said, don't argue with a fool because otherwise you will become a fool as well. Don't get sidetracked into a litany of issues that cause you to forfeit and forget and neglect your purpose. Don't get sidetracked into that stuff. Are some of those things important? Yes, are they most important? I can tell you, absolutely no. Don't get sidetracked into issues and forfeit your purpose. Don't do it, Paul would say. Third thing I think Paul would say is this. Don't be surprised when life gets hard. We already talked about that a little bit. Paul had been through the ringer. Timothy knew that Paul had been through the ringer. And then Paul told Timothy, he says, listen, 2 Timothy chapter three, he says, everybody who desires to live a godly life in Jesus will suffer persecution. As Americans, we, we wanna make it as easy as possible for us to follow Jesus. And I understand that. I'm not wishing hardness on any of us. I'm not wishing difficulty on any of us, but we spend so much much time trying to avoid difficulty. We spend so much time trying to avoid the things that Jesus promised we would have. Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation. Paul said that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul said in the last days, it absolutely will be dangerous and treacherous. And we try to eliminate all the things that the scriptures promise us are gonna come to pass. Life isn't easy. We shouldn't be surprised by it. It was Peter who said, think it not strange the fiery trial when it comes to try you. Don't become disillusioned or disappointed. Don't quit. Don't walk away. Don't pout. Don't be surprised when life gets hard. The fourth thing. This is advice from Paul. I I think it's worth seeing it through. He says, keep good friends close. If you wanna stand strong and finish well, keep good friends close. Listen to what he says in the following verse after he talks about fighting the good fight and finishing the race and keeping the faith. He says, Timothy, listen to the personal side of this. Timothy, please come to me as soon as you can because here's what Paul knew. Good friends make bad times better. Paul couldn't be with the church. He couldn't gather with the church in Rome, but he could be with friends. And I don't mean this to be harsh, but let me tell you who 2020 is impacting in the most negative way. Let me tell you who has been most negatively impacted by 2020 and what's been happening for the past few months. It's those who had a perverted value system coming in an inverted value system that had made important things most important or non-important things most important. And people who unfortunately had no friends. That is who 2020 is beating up the hardest. People who didn't have a healthy value system coming in and those who had no friends. Paul was in a bad place. Paul was in a difficult place, but he knew that friends could make bad times better. Every follower of Jesus needs good friends who are followers of Jesus. I'm not talking about people you eat with or you hang out with on occasion when you get bored and you have nothing else to do. I'm talking about people you can share your life with. I'm talking about people that you can be vulnerable with. I'm talking about people you can cry in front of, people that you will ask to pray for you, that know you. I'm not talking about friends who come around once in a while I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about honest to God friendship that makes you sharper, better, smarter. Keep good friends close, Paul would say, they'll make the bad times better. Listen, the thing that has kept me anchored throughout the past few weeks, the only thing that has been my anchor has been my faith, my family, and my friends. My faith has grown deeper I don't, I don't want this, I didn't ask for this. I don't, I don't enjoy everything about this, but, but I'm telling you, God has deconstructed some things in my life. I love my family better today than I did on the front side of this. I'm a better husband today than what I was on the front side of this. I'd like to think I'm a better dad right now than I was on the front side of this. My faith has been made stronger. My family has made things better. And my friends, friends that I've laughed with, friends that I've cried in front of no, I've not cried in front of them, but I got those tears in my eyes and I did my best to hide it from them. But those friends that would come around and share stories and encourage and share moments through some of the most difficult parts of the season. Paul says, if you're gonna stay strong and finish well, keep good friends close. Fifth thing, and we're wrapping this up. He says, get over the people who disappoint you. Get over the people who disappoint you because if you don't, you're gonna quit. If you don't, you're not gonna finish your grace. If not, you're gonna stop the fight. Listen to what he says in verse 10. He says, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and he's gone to Thessalonica. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen to me. It's gonna happen to you. People who you thought were your friends, you're gonna discover we're not your friends. You're gonna discover that you cared more about the friendship than they ever did. You're gonna find out that they were petty and you never saw it coming and you messed up and they were unwilling to forgive you. Here's what Paul's saying. Don't let it drain you. Don't let it detour you. Don't let it distract you. Don't stop having friends because you had some bad friends because good friends will make your life rich. It's gonna happen. Listen to what he says next. Be willing to be wrong. Be willing to be wrong. In the following verses, he tells Timothy, he says, hey, I need you to come to me quickly, but as you come to me, uh, only Luke's with me, but on your way, would you do something for me? Would you stop and get John Mark? Bring him with you. Because I imagine with a smile on his face as he's writing this, he would say, he's profitable for the ministry. This is the same John Mark that Paul parted ways with Barnabas over. Paul thought that John Mark was washed up He was no good for anything. He had failed and he deserved to be discarded. But Barnabas said, no, 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 no. Let's not let this young guy finish on failure. Paul said, he is a failure. I'm going on, I'm not taking him. He's not good for anything, Barnabas. And Barnabas said, yes, he is. And so they parted ways and Paul took Silas and Barnabas took John Mark. But years later, Paul picks up his pen and he says, bring John Mark. Boy, I got that one wrong. Boy, I misread that one. Good for you, Paul. You were willing to be wrong. If you're gonna stay in the race, if you're gonna fight the fight, if you're gonna stand strong and finish well, hey, be willing to be wrong. You're gonna be wrong about some people. You're gonna misread some people. You're gonna misjudge some people. Just own it. Just own it and move on, Timothy. And then the last one. He says, keep your focus on Jesus. Listen to how he wraps this letter up. In chapter four, verse 16, he says, the first time I was brought before the judge, talking about when he was arrested, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. No grudges, no resentment, no pettiness, no unforgiveness. But he says, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, And the Lord will deliver me, future tense, from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. His last moments, his attention was not on himself. He wasn't self-loathing. He didn't experience self-pity. He didn't consume himself with his own circumstances, but he turned his eyes on Jesus. And he thought about how Jesus stood and faced down the cross with unflinching strength, unrelenting confidence in the Father, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and he despised the shame and Jesus was willing to lay down his life because he trusted that God would be able to raise it up again. Paul knew that the worst thing that could happen to him was death, but Jesus, had already dealt with it. And so he was able to stand strong in that moment. He was able to finish his race. He was able to become a hero because he didn't quit. He was criticized and he kept going. He was stoned and he kept going. He was beaten and left for dead, but he kept going. He was lied about, he was betrayed, but he kept going. He was locked up, but he kept on going. And our lives today are better because of a man by the name of Paul, he refused to quit. He stood strong and he finished well, and every single one of us are the better for it. So here's what I want to ask you. Who's going to be the better? Because you refused to quit. Whose story is going to be made better? Whose faith is going to be made stronger? Because you you fought the good fight of faith. You finished your course and you stayed faithful. Who's gonna be better because you didn't walk away? You didn't get disillusioned and you didn't get so discouraged that you took your ball and went home. There's gonna be somebody better because you didn't quit. Paul's superpower, he stood strong and he finished well. And if you wanna be a hero in someone else's life, you just do that. You'll fall down, but get up. You'll be tired and wounded and bruised and... Maybe a bit bloody, but don't quit. Stand strong, finish well. And You too, like the apostle Paul, will be a hero. And one day when people tell their stories, you will be a part of it. So let's just bow our heads. Wherever we are, whatever place we find ourselves in, when we started off today, we, we asked God to meet with us in a, a special way, a significant way, a unique way, a fresh way. And And I pray that if that didn't happen for you in our time together, I pray that you won't give up that prayer, that you you won't let go of that desire. I believe with all of my heart that God desires to meet with you, to reveal himself in a fresh new way. I believe the promise that if you will take a step towards him, he will take a step towards you. You draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. These are tough days. It's not easy to stand strong, but... That's what we're called to do. It's tough to finish well, but that's what we're called to do. So let me pray for you. And would you take a moment, pray for me. Would you take a moment and pray for those you're watching with and pray that they would stand strong and that they would finish well. Heavenly Father, God, give us that fortitude, that strength, that commitment, that determination, the wherewithal to stand strong, even when things are difficult. When we're in that place that we don't wanna be in, that we didn't ask for, that we, quite frankly, we don't even feel like we deserve. God, help us not to forfeit our purpose. Help us not to get sidetracked. But God, help us to stay focused on you, knowing that you finished for us. You did everything necessary for us to be right with you. You finished. You fought the good fight, Jesus and you defeated the devil you defeated death and you defeated sorrow you finished your course you're seated at the right hand of the father you stayed faithful and as we follow you what was true of you and what was true of paul may it be true of us as well in jesus name amen hey thank you so much for being with us today don't let go of your desire to have a fresh experience with god and don't Lose the desire that 2020 will be the story that you tell one day when you had a life-defining, a life-changing experience with God. I'll see you next time here with the Creek Church Online. Thanks for being with us.